New York may be the city that never sleeps, but Singapore's the city that never stops eating. For a gastro tourist, somebody who travels to eat, any kind of serious eater, Singapore's probably the best place you can go for maximum bang in a minimum period of time. In this one tiny city-state, which you can cross by car in like 45 minutes, you can find more variety, more options, more specialties from many lands, and cheap than just about anywhere else. I would advise, honestly, for you to uh, come to Singapore and actually just come and eat. If you only got a couple of hours, try and eat. Go through Little India, go through Chinatown. More variety, more options, more specialities from many lands, and cheap. That's how the late American celebrity chef, Anthony Bourdain, described the food scene in Singapore. And beyond the diversity and affordability of Singaporean cuisine, food is both a national obsession and a core feature of our national identity. In January this year, when Ambassador-at-Large Tommy Cole launched the book compilation 50 Secrets of Singapore's Success, he said, Hawker food makes Singapore unique. It is part of our national identity. I must say that my wife and I are great fans of hawker centres. We go to the wet market every week. We often have lunch on a Sunday or Saturday in one of the hawker centres. But since the first coronavirus case was announced in Singapore, through Doscon Orange, and now with the circuit breaker measures, F&B businesses have had to adjust very quickly. Hawker centres, food courts, coffee shops, and restaurants are still open for takeaway and some offer delivery options. Yet the ban on dining in and other adjustments have resulted in both old and new problems. In addition to the lack of dining options, these F&B problems revolve around rental costs, manpower costs, food prices, and now delivery services. Since the start of the circuit breaker, Public and social media attention have focused on the fees or commissions charged by Deliveroo, Food Panda, and GrabFood. F&B owners shared information about their profit margins, with some moving to Facebook groups and pages, as well as starting direct deliveries. In the same spirit, some Singaporean consumers are choosing to avoid the apps and either do direct pickups and self-collections or order directly from the F&B outlets. On the internet, Many other community initiatives, search engines, lists, and social media groups have emerged to facilitate these direct transactions between businesses and consumers. So, what I would suggest for you to do also, please try to get your own uh, containers because there's going to be a shortage of uh, plastic containers very soon if everybody starts to tap out. So if you use your own containers, it's actually better for the environment as well. So I got my containers. Bring your own containers. On the other hand, the convenience of the delivery apps and the benefits they bring to some F&B businesses will likely ensure the continued existence. The 450-member-strong Restaurant Association of Singapore told Channel News Asia on April 16th that current commission charges range from 25 to 32% for each order, and they called for that to instead be reduced to 12 to 15%. In response to the news article, the food delivery players pointed to their own set of measures, and in particular, GrabFood has sought to explain the perceived fairness of these commissions. More generally, with all these considerations, I argue that two things warrant greater clarification. 
First, increase data and more transparent information from the delivery apps on the cost distribution between F&B businesses, the delivery riders, and the food delivery companies. Thus far, the discourse has centered on individual anecdotes from these three parties, which even when aggregated does not necessarily paint an accurate overall picture. Second, what about consumers and their willingness to pay higher prices for food and for delivery? Another ongoing assumption is that the size of the pie is fixed. In 2015, the Lee Kuan Yew School of Public Policy, my university, published the case study titled Keeping Chakwetiao Cheap at What Price? The case study is premised upon Singapore's Dan Hawker scene, but had important insights on the challenges of rising food prices as a result of increased rental, ingredient, and manpower costs, and the missing next generation of hawkers. Given that households in lower income brackets were found to have spent a larger proportion of their food expenditure on hawker food compared to higher income households, hawker centres have been described as a social leveller and as a safety net. However, what are the other costs, and ultimately the price, of cheap food in Singapore? I'm Jing Yao, and this is COVID-19 Community Chronicles in Singapore, a social service.sg podcast. With the ongoing coronavirus pandemic, we hope to use this podcast to document community initiatives in the country and to discuss related structural or systemic challenges. Today, we focus on the FMB sector in Singapore with two guests. Yi Chen, owner of the Jacob and Hyde Cocktail Bar, and Yi Fan, who started the website Footlair, a website linking Singaporean consumers directly to hawkers and restaurants. Through these two conversations, we want to understand both the problems as well as the ground-up solutions. In addition, we want to learn about the most effective ways Singaporeans can help F&B businesses. There are other F&B related issues which we would not be able to cover in this episode, and they include workers who have been laid off and experiences of delivery riders. For instance, an informal poll conducted by the new paper on April 14th found that 47 of 58 riders interviewed or 81% of them were earning less now than before despite a surge in consumer demand. These are important concerns which deserve much more attention down the road. Thirty-one-year-old Yi Chen is the owner of the cocktail bar Jacko and Hyde. In the midst of the ongoing pandemic, he also started Bars.sg, which allows individuals to purchase gift cards to restaurants and bars. A similar online gift card initiative is Chop and Safe. That's chopandsafe.com started by a team of five in their 20s who observed that their friends running F&B outlets and small businesses getting increasingly worried about their cash flow and livelihoods. Chop and Safe is a directory of small businesses which offer online gift cards for purchase, and the team has also provided resources for businesses learning to list gift cards. These stores and brands form the fabric of Singapore, the team said. We should put our money where our mouth is and support them before it is too late. Now, here's my full conversation with Jekyll and Hyde's Yichen, recorded on April 16th. Yeah, so Jekyll and Hyde's actually been around for a little more than six years. Um, and it was actually started by, by a group of three friends. 
um, who wanted to uh, do to do something uh, interesting. And this one was when Singapore's cocktail bar is pretty nascent. So it actually used to be at the back of uh, uh, of this uh, shop house. I mean, the front of it was actually a, a nail salon. I mean, eventually expanded all the way to the full bar. So uh, or the full space, I guess. So I bought it over about uh, two years ago uh, from the previous owners, and I've been running it since then. So it, it was it's still called Jekyll and Hyde, but I think what we've done is obviously updated the menu and then. Um, also coming up with a new cocktail concepts that uh, you know allow people to to try different things and also you know supplementing that with a food menu so that they uh, don't go hungry while they're, they're they're drinking their cocktails. Yeah, and I guess my curiosity would be why Jekyll and Hyde? Is it from the story or you know what's the no? So so when I was talking to them, I was like I was asking them you know why that name and, and you know why we kept it too. I think it was just uh, something that they thought was was fun, and I think I kept it also because. Um, I think it allowed us to play with the front and back bar concept and that's something we're trying to explore or we're trying to explore till COVID happened but gotcha. uh, that we'll explore again uh, when, it, when, it's, when we're able to um, you know, open properly again okay. um, and be able to have two different concepts within the same space. And you mentioned that you bought it, bought it over six, uh, two years ago, sorry. And so yeah. during, during that period, what has been most challenging for you in those two years? before? Definitely, COVID? you know, I mean, I, I've never... St- you know, been in F and B before, so you know, I thought it was going to be something that was fairly easy, but obviously, you learn really quickly that it isn't. And I think, you know, a big part of it is uh, operational management. Um, I think in terms of getting people in, that's not the biggest issue. I mean, obviously, you always want more customers, and on the weekdays, there's definitely room for improvement and getting more people in. But I think more than that, it's it's the back end, being able to really understand your costs, really being able to understand um, how to manage your people. So um, it, it's a lot more than just like uh, selling the drinks, right? And trying to get more people in. You could be full every night, but still losing money depending on how you manage your, your expenses. And I think that's something that I've learned at the hard way that is obviously something that you have to be a bit more cognizant about and, and where we've had issues before. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned these issues of cost and then management, and these came up even before COVID. And maybe I was wondering, you can talk about the COVID situation because there were different phases. So maybe we could yeah. start with when, you know, when Singapore raised DOSCON to Orange and that was when, you know, we were still second in the number of cases. So what yeah. changed then when it was Yeah, DOSCON? so I, 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 yeah, no, I mean, I mean to take a step back really quickly, I think, yeah, to your, to your point, to your question, like, you know, um, expenses are something that, that you really need to, to, to figure out. Um, and I guess the, the silver lining uh, of having uh, COVID is that, it's helped us to really take a deep look at our expenses and see what we can cut. And I think going forward, hopefully when we reopen, it helps us to understand how we can manage it better or what we, we need and what we don't need. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, to your point, I think as, as, as COVID evolved, you know, Chinese, the January was actually pretty bad for us and February was actually better. But, but to, to explain, um, the last two weeks of uh, January were the Chinese New Year period. Mm-hmm. And it happened to be on like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So a lot of people were actually... Uh, not going out, they had all their reunion dinners and all that. So we opened all three days, but I think the amount that we made uh, in those three days was, uh, you know, 60% of what we'll make on a Friday. Um, and that's opening over a three day period, but it was still needed obviously from a revenue perspective. So we actually did pretty badly in that time period purely because of uh, Chinese New Year and people traveling and all that still. Uh, but I think, 
you know, February was when it was supposed to get better, not just for us, but for all um, F&Bs, because obviously Chinese New Year period is over, people aren't doing their dry jam, people aren't doing their New Year's resolutions to save money and all that, uh, and they start spending and all that. But the problem is right then at the beginning of January is when, uh, of February is when COVID uh, hit, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's when it became a bigger issue. So, um, you know, once, once it went from Dogecoin green to orange, I think we saw a pretty big drop pretty quickly, um, of, uh, especially on the weekdays. Um, the weekends, I think, because people are still, um, I think people are people still wanted to go out uh, because they had been cooped up at home that whole like Monday to Thursday period. Um, our, our weekends were actually not terrible, but it was the weekdays which which dropped probably by you know thirty to forty percent. Mm-hmm. And then I think as we started to move towards uh, different levels of orange, um, that's where it got. Uh, um, noticeably worse, especially again on the weekdays. Again, I think the weekends were actually generally okay. It was actually normal, but it was the weekdays would then drop more than 50% to 60-70%. Um, and then obviously, once we got to this whole period where everyone's just kind of like having to stay at home, then we, we were shut, but we were doing a weekly bottled cocktail deliveries to people um, to, to kind of maintain, uh, maintain lower expenses. Got you. And it was through the gamut of, as you see, the sheets of orange, right? Was with the social distancing, with the number of people in the bars, then, you know, closing bars and then with the circuit breaker. So you've yeah. experienced the whole gamut, the, the whole region. Exactly. So I think with like the, the, the lucky thing is that we're a restaurant and bar. So we're able to continue operating with our food as well as our drinks. But to your point, I think once the social distancing started also, it's hard, right? Because you literally have to leave gaps. And obviously that reduces the number of people um, and people can't crowd around. So, you know, even if our certain, we have a certain capacity, um, back then, if you don't have social distancing, you can have more people around a table, right? Mm-hmm. But um, obviously, it's an issue for us. And in the midst of all these developments, you know, all these changes to the bars and the changes you have to make, you also started um, Bars.sg in, the, in this period. Though. So tell me more about Bars.sg. What was the motivation and what's the inspiration behind that? Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, in the U.S., they actually shut down um, a little sooner than us, right? So in L.A. and San Francisco, uh, the governor and as well as the mayor shut down things pretty quickly um, and said, you know, for restaurants and all that, you, you can only do takeout and all that. And I, I was reading about that a bit online and I noticed that there was this hashtag rally for restaurants. Mm-hmm. I noticed that a bunch of these uh, um, restaurants were doing uh, these gift cards to tie them over that period of time. So when I kind of Googled it online for gift cards, uh, there weren't many platforms and even the platforms that they had in Singapore were charting like a 15 or 20 cent per percent commission. And that's like really, really high, right? Yeah. Especially for FNB at this point. And it's a gift card. It's not even like you're providing a service. And so mm-hmm. um, I happened to own bars.sg and I was like, hey, maybe I can do something which would allow people to, you know, help the community um, and help themselves too. So, um, you know, take basically like... An, um, just basically cover my costs and then uh, everything goes back to the restaurants, but basically just trying to get more on board so that they have an avenue to um, get more revenue um, on, during this period, whether or not they still do takeaways because it helps them to cover their overheads. Mm-hmm. And do you have a sense of what the response has been both from persons who bought, who bought the, the gift cards and from the yeah, bars I mean, on the platform? Uh, agree. Yeah, people are generally very helpful and pretty responsive, right? I mean, for them, they're, they'll, they'll buy different denominations. So we normally do like 25, 50, 100 and people just buy diff- different sets just so that they can one, use it, I think, in the future and then also just to, to show the support. And I think, you know, bars and restaurants, obviously, they, they like it. There are a few more platforms now that are trying to do that and help. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, whatever works best for people. But I think people are generally receptive to, to, to gift cards, definitely. Mm-hmm. 
um, because it's something easy for them to build to support without having to go out or having to consume the product right there. And then. Got you. And maybe putting on your F&B business owner hat again, you know, yeah. oh, and you, I think you alluded to some of these just now. What are right now two or three things you worry most at this yeah, moment? Definitely. And I think I'll talk about myself, but then more about the industry in general too, because mm-hmm. it's something that uh, we have a, a WhatsApp chat with like all the F&B owners. Oh, not all, but a good number of the F&B owners. It's important. We just talk about different issues at hand. But I think one obviously is um, rental. So a lot of the landlords have uh, given discounts um, or haven't. Some might might have been pretty decent. I think they've been uh, working to, with us to try and uh, reduce the rent. It's still not enough. But I think we're trying to get to uh, to something that's uh, good for them as well as good for us. But there's some of the landlords that are just not giving any discounts, right? Or like not talking to their tenants at all. And it's really bad because obviously when your sales have dropped, like. 60, 75, 80, 90% and you're paying full rental and rentals normally supposed to be 20, 25% of your cost. And now it's mm-hmm. 80 to 90% of your cost. That's when it becomes like quite a big issue uh, for, for, for them. Um, I think second, um, the delivery platform. So the delivery platforms uh, um, are charging a 30% to 35% um, for deliveries and all that. And that's eating um, extremely, eating into um, the, the, the profits or the revenue for the restaurants, right? So in, 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 in fat times or in, in good times, um, that was already quite a big issue, but restaurants are able to you know, absorb that because um, you know, they, they were just trying to get extra revenue. But I think mm-hmm. in this period of time when it's their main source of revenue, it's a huge issue. And uh, I think they're trying right now or we're trying right now to, to reduce that. Thankfully, we're not dependent on it as, a, as Jekyll and Hyde, but for other um, F&B businesses, it's, it's key to their livelihood. Mm-hmm. And I mean, across, I mean, as uh, you've seen the three budgets that the government has announced, you know, there are billions and billions of dollars. I guess, how would you evaluate the assistance, subsidies or rebates, which has been announced or not? How has it yeah. been helpful or not helpful for you? No, I have to, I have to say that, that you know, I, I think the government's really doing its best to really help, right? And I, I think they, they, they have done a pretty good job. I mean, covering 50 to 75% of salary is no small joke, right? Um, and even up to $4,600, I don't think that's chump change either. Um, I mean, for us, we, we run on a pretty small team and we've uh, we hired people recently, um, right before the COVID situation. And I think how they've structured it is based on CPF contributions for mm-hmm. previous months. And so that is slightly detrimental to us. But I think um, obviously we want to try and retain all our workers. So for our payouts in July as well as October, hopefully that helps a bit more um, at that point in time. And hopefully the situation isn't dire, as dire at that point. Um, and so that money would help to tide us over. But uh, I think like overall, um, you know, it, the, the, this, it has been helpful. I think, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a tough situation. I don't, I don't know how necessarily to make it better. Um, and, and everyone has to adapt. I mean, again, unfortunately, we're, we're primarily drinks focused with a little bit of food. Right? We've chosen to focus more on the drinks for delivery. Um, but uh, that's, uh, I think, our, our issue to deal with. Uh, but I, th- I think they, they, they have done quite a lot to, to, to help. Um, the, the one issue I think that, that we've seen is that uh, company directors don't get paid, uh, mm-hmm. that uh, payout, that percentage, and, and that, that is pretty bad because a lot of them are single directors, right? They dependent on, they're dependent on the, on the revenue from the bar to, to derive their salary, and if they can't get that support from the government, then that's, that's pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Got you. I guess the final point would be, and I suspect you've also mentioned a part of it, what would be helpful for Jack and I in the next few months? I assume one of it would be the gift cards. The second would be the, the delivery options that you guys have now. But what else would be helpful for Jack and I in the bar for the next few months? Yeah, I mean, I mean, those two things are great, right? I mean, those two, 
things are probably uh, most important. I, I mean, the, the gift cards are good, um, but buying bottled cocktails are better, mainly because gift cards mean there's um, your front loading essentially like a, a cost in a sense, right? Mm -hmm. you're, you're building out a book of liability essentially. Mm -hmm. um, for the bottled cocktails, it's great because then people are just purchasing it at that point and, and you're able to consider that as part of your general like just costs um, as well as the revenue that's coming in. But I think in general, like just helping Jekyll and Hyde or just helping F&B in general is just supporting, right, with your dollars. I mean, that, 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 that's what it is. I mean, that you can only do so much with, uh, with uh, verbalizing it and saying that you support F&B, right? But if, I mean, there are, there are places that have been shedding already, which is, which mm -hmm. is terrible. And I mean, you're going to get to the point where you lose a good chunk of the F&B in Singapore and then what's left. Right. I mean, I think, you know, you were mentioning you were talking to the, the Hawker uncle later. I mean, I think for them to a certain point, it, it's both better and, and worse. I think, you know, more people are probably buying Hawker food because it's cheaper and you can save money. But at the same time, it's also hard for them to adapt right to uh, new technologies that will allow them to generate more revenue. And so um, I think it's just, you know, putting how do you phrase it? your mouth your money where your mouth is um or whoever it is uh and and just uh, spending as much on fnb as possible because uh, i'm sure your grocery stores are doing well right now but uh yeah fnb needs some support there Yifan, who is 24 this year, started the ground-up initiative, Footlair. Through an interview with The Streets Times, he described the website as, quote, a one-stop shop for finding food and beverage places, cutting out middleman platforms that charge hawkers a commission to be listed on their apps, end quote. In the previous conversation with Yi Chen, you heard him refer to an interview I was scheduled to have with a hawker. Unfortunately, we were not able to find a good time. But through our informal chat, he shared how he started a Facebook page for all the stores in his market and food centre to bring food delivery to the neighbourhood. In addition to Footlair and Hawker Facebook pages or groups, many other ground-up initiatives have since been launched. Here's my full conversation with Yifan, recorded on May 3rd. With Footlair itself, it's kind of like on your website, the focus, the first thing I saw when I saw the website was cut the middleman and then save our local FMV. So, you know, with that in mind, with those two slogans in mind, could you tell me more about your initiative? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, for Footlay, what we are really trying to do is to help our local FMV through this uh, really difficult period. And this uh, caption, yeah, it, it uh, really kind of encapsulates what we are trying to do but also uh, you know some people might say oh are you trying to attack like companies like Grab or like Food Panda but uh, to be honest we, we really see what they're doing as uh, being a really valuable service uh, we think that delivery service is uh, something that is uh, very high value so like bringing food from the hawker store or like from a restaurant straight to a house is uh, really uh, I, I believe like you know very convenient service that lots of consumers are willing to pay for. So what we're trying to do is to encourage more people to go to those uh, hawkers or like smaller F&B who cannot afford uh, to use those services because, you know, they take a pretty huge cut, like 30%. So uh, we just hope that uh, people like 
uh, users, customers have more options the next time they want to eat. Uh, so if they can go onto our website and see like, oh, like this is a hawker that they are interested uh, to, to look into, they can go directly to the hawker to, let's say, tap out from them. Mm-hmm. Or even uh, like if they wanted some of the hawkers uh, find drivers for them to help to deliver the food uh, over. And, and what we are really trying to do is to maintain no commissions, no fees, to make sure that uh, any, any sort of benefit goes directly to the hawkers instead of any middleman. But, you know, again, uh, lots of uh, bigger restaurants or bigger F&B outlets can really benefit from the middleman. Mm-hmm. But we are trying to help those that are, you know, not covered by them or too small and ignored by them. Got you. And I guess, and this is something you might be cognizant of aware of, but there are quite a number of platforms. And at some point, and correct me if I'm wrong, your platform was described as like Carousel for FMV, but it seems like Carousel has a listing of its own as well. So I guess the question would be, how do you see your platform fit amongst all these different platforms and initiatives that are coming up um, from the ground up? Mm-hmm. Uh, so really, I'm really encouraged firstly by all these initiatives coming up. Um, the more uh, initiatives there are, I think the more we can benefit our hawkers uh, in the a, in a long run, especially like during this period as well. So, I mean, I don't really see them as like, you know, competition. We have to like uh, snatch users away from them. I see it as like lots of people who see a problem and they're willing to help. But yeah, in the, uh, again, if there are more sites to use, users, you know, have some kind of choice fatigue. Uh, they're not sure which site to go for. So uh, I would say that uh, what makes us like stand apart is that we are co- entirely community driven. Uh, and also, you know, we, we are just a new brand that has no commissions, no fees, all our code are open source. So um, anyone can like, you know, join in throughout this sort of movement to help our FMB, whereas uh, there are other like bigger brands out there who build it. Um, they they still have like a certain for profit brand associated mm-hmm. with it. So mm-hmm. I think some uh, volunteers they might feel uh, less comfortable uh, helping to a hawker to list on a for profit platform versus mm-hmm. for our platform. We tell them straight out that we remain like free forever. Um, so so that's something I think uh, help us stand out. But again, you know. Uh, we're all trying to help. If uh, right after circuit breaker or even like during circuit breaker period, we see like too many initiatives coming up uh, and and we we will like uh, highly recommend like someone to use other people's platform instead. Like if it's a lot more convenient. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, we we are, we don't want to like fight with each other and, and have the hawkers losing out in the end. I mean, that's interesting because I think the feature you pointed out, which I'm just learning is the open source part of it. So I guess the two questions tied to that would be, you know, does open source mean putting the source code up and people can add functions and features to it? That's one. And the other one would be, do you see it as tying to the long-term future of the initiative down the road in that sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm also pretty new to this whole open source initiative thing. Yeah. but yeah, the idea is that we have a GitHub that uh, publishes all our code. Um, if you just go uh, to our GitHub, you uh, fork it, which is just like meaning you copy a version of the code onto a computer. Mm-hmm. You just run one command and you can run the entire site, like all of its features on your own computer. Uh, so 
uh, firstly, I think one, it helps with our development because a lot of uh, open source developers online, they have actually come forward and helped us to build it. Uh, it's, it's really an amazing like, community out there. Uh, lots of new features, lots of bugs that we want to fix are fixed by them. So I think it helps us to reduce like the, the cost for us as well because uh, other sites, they might need to hire like, you know, professional full-time developers. For mm. us, it's still zero cost. Um, I think the second part of open source, uh, and, and this is a side thing that I, I wasn't thinking about when I put it open source, is that lots of other youths, other students who want to learn to build such a site, they can easily do so by go, uh, doing the same thing, copying a version and running it. And uh, we have a few people who reached out to us, they, they, they were inspired by what we do, and they want to one day also build a site like this, mm-hmm. or build a different site. And uh, it, and I just encourage them like yeah this is this is great you guys like should definitely push forward. In fact, go look at our code, see how it works. You can have your own site like this running like in in an hour. Yeah. Uh, so it's really encouraging other people to pick up computer skills as well. Got you. And I guess the tie to that is that I would imagine those consumers who use your website and your initiative they'll be more tech savvy, right? But those who you are trying to onboard who might not as be familiar, who might not be as familiar with, you know, this 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 uh, mechanism of it. How have you all thought about, you know, onboarding these individuals who might not be as savvy and put them their listings up on your website? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so it's a big challenge to onboard um, lots of the hawkers who are less tech savvy. Mm-hmm. I think uh, another like side side challenge is also the language barrier. Lots of them mm-hmm. might not be able to understand like English. So uh, to overcome that, for firstly for the in, uh, language barrier, we uh, have actually finished building a Chinese version of the site. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll be launching it today or tomorrow. So with just one click of the button, the whole site turns into Chinese. Yeah, except great. for the yeah. listings. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that definitely will help to uh, help some hawkers to use themselves or like list themselves. Uh, the second thing for the tech component, uh, yeah, it is a challenge. So we are trying to make it as simple as possible. Our aim is to have um, hawkers be able to list within like five minutes. Yeah. Uh, so we have like two steps. We have like the really important information you have to fill in and the extras at the bottom. So as long as you fill up the important steps, like your name, phone number, ETC, you mm-hmm. can press the button and it's, it's, it's launched. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, yeah, like we, we still see people, you know, that they are not even uh, like willing to like, use Chrome browser or like Safari browser or anything mm-hmm. to, to browse. Uh, so, uh, another idea that we were trying to explore was having like a WhatsApp number that receives requests to help them. So we just received a photo name number uh, and then we help them to list. We have volunteers <laughs> who help us to do that. Uh, so that's like another idea we're trying to run as well. But uh, right now we have around 190 listings. Um, and uh, all of them, except like one or two, are done by themselves. Like mm-hmm. uh, hawkers just leave themselves or F&B others leave themselves. And what we're seeing is that a lot of them have children who are tech savvy mm-hmm. and they're helping yeah. their own parents. Yeah. So I think that's the main avenue we want to drive at now. Like, uh, and, and I think, you know, if we want to move beyond the whole COVID-19 period, um, we, I, I believe that it will really benefit hawker culture a lot if uh, everyone, uh, you know, moves towards like the tech uh, like area like if uh, maybe during this period children can teach their parents like oh this is how you use 
like mm-hmm. uh, WhatsApp. This is how you like use a website. And then, you know, in the future, maybe uh, a side benefit of this is everyone becomes a lot more tech savvy, something we see in China where everyone has a WeChat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, you know, having an online presence uh, will definitely uh, help to drive more engagement with use and keep our hawker culture going. Mm-hmm. No, I really like the reference to hawker culture. And one of the things that you guys do, which I kind of like, it's a small feature on your Facebook page, which you guys talk to and feature conversations you have with the hawkers or restaurants that you list on your site. And I guess a question tied to that, in addition to the point you mentioned about language and children helping, what are some you know lessons or conversations you've you've gained from these features with um the hawkers on your facebook page mm-hmm. yeah so um this um hawker that uh we talked to uh uncle tang uh he he is actually his daughter uh Farron, is actually working with us right now to build our site uh, also to like you know develop it further so uh, she reached out to us. She was like super helpful, and then uh, she was just like speaking to us, uh, like about how uh for for the hawkers at this period, it's really hard for them to be able to uh adapt. Um, but you know, at the same time, they are used to their everyday kind of uh procedure of just sitting at a stall waiting for customers to come. So mm-hmm. it's really hard for them to like be able to adapt to like moving online. So they are relying on their children to do that. Um, yeah. So speaking to them. They, they they want to remain as like low tech as possible. Uh perhaps like having people coming to a stall to buy food from them and they don't mm-hmm. handle like the WhatsApp part of it or yeah. whatever part of it. So I, I that's like something that we, we are very cognizant of um in that uh hawkers they have they have very strong preferences that they have uh used for like decades. Yeah. Um and and even though now it's really uh important for them to like start engaging online, a lot of them are still like, I think I think I would <laughs> just like remain in place. Uh, yeah. So what that kind of tells us is that if you want to reach out to more hawkers, we have to do it in person. Yeah. Uh, we have to have lots of volunteers. Uh, encourage lots of volunteers when they are buying lunch to to like ask the uncle like, hey uncle, like I want to. Uh, I want to. I, I saw this really cool website. Do you want to help me? Uh, do you want to let me add you on this listing, and then let me take a picture and everything. So, uh, we we really have to do it in person. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not having people tour the whole island because of the circuit breaker. Yeah, so now, yeah, not quite now. <laughs> but uh, really to just um have that personal engagement, personal contact, and and that's something we really uh like come to realize because you know as like computer science major myself is tempting to just like like want to just sit behind my screen and code all day and pump out new features but now uh we are beginning to realize that okay this is not enough we have to 180 listings are might be the saturation point of like tech uh savvy like hawkers and their children now is the time to like push out and get more manual listings Mm -hmm. i guess on that point about you know you mentioned that there was a member of your team looking at volunteers itself. And before this, we had a brief conversation about the fact that you were based in the US, you had to fly back, you had to make accommodations with the stay-at-home notice and all these things. So, you know, where what what was the motivation to get about this, uh, to get this going in the first place? And how did you assemble the team and how does the team work together right now? Mm-hmm. So, uh, what, how it all started was uh, my partner, Chips, uh, who I met in NS. 
he was just looking on uh, Facebook, like Hawkers United. And uh, it's, it's this really popular Facebook page. I'm sure yeah. a lot of uh, listeners will know as well. 200,000 plus uh, followers uh, in the group. So uh, we were just looking on the site and we are seeing like so many hawkers are there. Uh, very popular amongst users. But Facebook has a limitation of how easy to use it is. Uh, it's hard to be able to search for food that's near you. It's hard to browse and list things. It's hard to like start contacting them. So he thought that like, why not we just build a site that is able to be really easy to browse and you can personalize it by searching for your own uh, postal code. So uh, we are just like, okay, like we, we are seeing lots of news uh, and like really seeing ourselves that hawkers uh, and our F&B outlets are struggling. Uh, let's, let's build this as fast as we can. So in the next five days, we built this whole site. Uh, Chips helped us to design the site. I helped to like uh, build the, the tech behind it. Um, and then we launched it. And uh, we, we got quite a lot of listings so far. On like the first few days, we got like uh, 20,000 plus listings. Uh, now, now we are stabilizing at lesser viewings, but still a uh, good amount. Um, and we, we have added new members as well. Uh, and all of them have been like super helpful. So how it kind of works is just like we have like a Telegram chat, uh, and then once in a while, if we have an issue, we just like throw it out. It's kind of really kind of ad hoc. Uh, I wouldn't say like whether we have like a really structured system in place. It's just with a few uh chats like social media for strategy, mm-hmm. for like um for general chat. Uh, and you know we're just really all dedicated volunteers trying to help uh, our local FMP throughout this period. And um, yeah, we, we, a lot of them are like my personal friends. Uh, one of them, like I mentioned, was uh, who reached out to us through email. And we are getting like lots of other requests from like uh, designers or like developers who say, oh, I'll, I want to help. How can I help? Mm-hmm. So we're pretty, pretty heartened by that, actually. I guess my final question having... I mean, it's been quite a rapid turnaround. You said, let's build this as fast as we can. And I guess my final question for you would be, what's been the biggest lesson or kind of like takeaway you've had from this entire experience? What have you, what's the one lesson or one thing you have taken away and learned the most from this experience? Mm-hmm. Um, I, think, I think one of the biggest thing I learned from this experience is that uh, we, we really need more ground up initiatives and that ground up initiatives are uh, really useful. It is something that uh, I think lots of people are, are willing to support because uh, I think lots of people, be, when they think of an idea of like, oh, they see a gap in everyday life, they might be afraid to pursue it. They're like, oh, what if there's someone else who's already doing it out there? Uh, what if uh, I build it and it just dies off? So a lot of what is before someone does a grant initiative. But what I've come to realize is that, yes, like when we launched, there were other alternatives as well. But uh, you're, just by doing it, you're making an impact. You're inspiring others to uh, contribute. Uh, you are really uh, helping to develop this whole ecosystem of grown-up initiatives. So even if it fails, even if it dies off, you're doing a part like that's disproportionate to your own like size, you know, just one person being able to influence many people. So uh, it, I, I, I think, yeah, one of the biggest thing is that if you seize a problem, uh, you think that you can fix it, just go ahead and, and try it because you don't know what you can get out of it. And I'll, I'll encourage lots of other youths out there who, who see a change they can make 
to just go out there and make it first uh, and, and see, see what they can do because that, that is something that you know, we can afford as youth to have uh, slightly more time than adults and also having the energy to push through. So to all the listeners out there, if you have a change um, that, that you, ha- you think of, just go for it and, and uh, push for it. And of course, on the final note, where should people go to if they want to help your cause or help Footlay? Where should they go to? Yeah, so we have uh, our website link is footlay.app. So one of the most direct ways uh, that you can help is to just buy from our uh, hawkers and buy from our F&B outlets on our site. Uh, the, the even better way to help is to go on the create tab uh, on our website. You help your local hawkers to list. Uh, when you are buying your next meal, uh, your lunch, dinner, when you're going to tapau, ask the hawker, uncle, can I help? Do you help me list or not? Then you just list it for them. And uh, yeah, like this, this will really help them to get an online presence. So two ways. Uh, well, I mean, the most direct is just to get delicious food at the same time. So <laughs> <laughs> first, good first step. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for the call. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Thank you. And that's it for our episode today. Thank you to Yichen and Yifan, and thank you, the listener, for joining us. Please also share other initiatives or issues which you think should be highlighted. Email me at sppkjy at nus.edu.sg. That's sppkjy at nus.edu.sg. You can also subscribe to the newsletter and the podcast at tinyletter.com slash social service sg. Thank you very much and see you next time.